This week on Ultra 64, Killer Instinct! Dun 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 Fight! Also Flying Dragon. Hi, everybody. You got too excited from the Killer Instinct theme song. That one gets me pumped up every time. You did the Mortal Kombat theme. I mean, you can you, can you, I think we can forgive me on this one. I think we can forgive me. Uh, welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each week we go through and we are playing a different game in the Nintendo 64 catalog until we play every damn one of them. And my name is Steve Guntling. Hi, I'm 3D animation enthusiast Woody Siskowski. <laughs> and we are joined by a special guest, first timer to the show. Introduce yourself, special guest. Hey everyone, my name is Dion. Welcome Dion, we're glad to have you. Uh, well, Dion, and- Dion is the front man to a uh, Castlevania-themed rock band. Um, <laughs> see if you can see if you complete this joke. Tell me what the name of the band is. Uh, you, you lost okay. No, it's uh, yeah, okay. I, uh, I was I had this one. It's Dion and the Belmonts, everybody. Castlevania. <laughs> 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 wow! Wow! Okay, you pulling some deep cuts here. You're pulling yeah. some deep cuts. <laughs> Uh, well, we're ha- very happy to have Dion here. He's a fighting game enthusiast, and we're playing uh, a couple more fighting games. We're getting down to like the last of our fighting games. There's not many on the system, There's and not for, many. they were kind of grouped a lot near we, the beginning. Yeah, we kind of we kind of front loaded on fighting games. So uh, we, I think, we just have the Clay Fighter games left after this. Well, we're saving the best for last. We obviously are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this week we played Killer Instinct Gold, and because we didn't have anywhere else to put it, we also played Flying Dragon. Um, Weird ass little game that we will get into in a moment. We um, didn't devote. We didn't want to devote an hour to talk about Flying Dragon. Who knows? Maybe although, we will talk about it. Truthfully, I, I wonder if we almost could. That game is so weird. Um, so awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dion, our special guest, we we uh, uh, I invited you on the show, and you uh, I let you pick the game you want, and you said Killer Instinct. Can you tell us why you chose Killer Instinct? Absolutely, Killer Instinct is definitely a game that I grew up with. You know, with my family. Uh, it was that and Super Smash Brothers, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun and it's very difficult and intricate to play. Mm. Uh, it's also the first game on the Super Nintendo that uh, I ever played where it made fun of you for beating the <laughs> end boss on too easy of a mode. Oh, really? It does? <laughs> yeah. If you play it on easy, it says, hey, congratulations, you beat our boss who can't do a five hit combo, has no finishing moves, maybe should up the sticks for a real challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, hate it. I hate it when bitchy. game when games taunt you. I've been playing this game called The Messenger, um, which is this very cool sort of ninja guy nest oh, game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But whenever you die, this sort of little demon guy comes out and tells you how many times you've died, which I don't appreciate. Yeah, why do you it, need that? No. Like, it's kind of like uh, uh, the the worst one, the worst offender for this is Animal Crossing. Oh. If you shut off your game without saving it, the little mole guy will berate you for a solid like five minutes of unskippable like dialogue boxes like just scolding you for not saving your game properly wow like that it's so annoying every time yeah yeah so there's a reason i don't play that game very much um let's uh let's let's throw our first punch here let's let's combo combo ultra mega hit yes um we're gonna start by talking about killer instinct gold because we go in chronological order Mm, the sequel to killer instinct silver killer instinct (laughs) argon Mm -hmm. i'm out of of mouth (laughs) killer instinct tin killer instinct tin (laughs) instinct tin yeah. Opalescent. Yeah. Um, yeah, Killer Instinct Gold was released November 25th, 1996, developed by Rare and published by Nintendo, and it is exclusive to the Nintendo 64. Uh, so Killer Instinct made its arcade debut in 1994, and uh, it was a pretty big deal for a minute there. Like, uh, it was kind of the closest thing we ever got to a true, like, Mortal Kombat killer. Like, the truth, the, the one game I think of that fighting game boom that really had a shot at challenging Mortal Kombat well, yeah, popularity. It was, it was a Street Fighter. I mean, yeah, there's sort of Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat are up at the top, and then there's well, sort see, of I, everything else. I really, <laughs> I kind of think of, like, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat as different subgenres. Like, yeah, okay. I, I don't agree know, with you on that one. Somehow, I don't know. I mean, they're both, like, 2D fighters, but there's just something about Mortal Kombat clones that's, like... You can tell the difference between something ripping off Mortal Kombat and something ripping off Street Fighter. 
You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Am I yeah, crazy? but I actually, I you know, I I disagree with you. I think this is actually more of a Street Fighter ripoff mm. than a uh, Mortal Kombat one. Interesting. But, um, yeah, maybe just it's, maybe because it's hybrid. I, I believe the speed is a little. I associate Street Fighter with being a little slower than Mortal Kombat, um, and I think this game is slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and this and, one's faster than Mortal Kombat too. I think. And the. Um, no, this one's slow. Killer Instinct is slower than oh, Mortal Kombat. Slow? Oh, yeah, I, I it, it's slower. Mortal Kombat is characterized by having sort of a run button, and the characters sort of move a lot faster. And this game also has sort of built-in combos, meaning that the only way to do a button press with certain characters is by memorizing the combo, mm. which is sort of more of a Street Fighter thing, whereas Mortal Kombat, um, all the combos with most characters start the same way. Interesting. I don't know. This okay. No, that's is. a fair point. And, I mean, I'm... I'm a consummate button masher with fighting games. I'm I'm just like, like I was saying like earlier while we were playing like I don't know how to make them do things intentionally. <laughs> like I've never been able to figure that out in any fighting game except like the few that I played a lot like mm-hmm. Soul Calibur and weirdly Eternal Champions for the Genesis. I played that one. Now that game a is a Mortal Kombat knockoff. That game yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a Mortal Kombat ripoff. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, you could make an argument that Killer Instinct is the first Nintendo 64 game because the arcade version was the first game to use the Ultra 64 dev kit. Uh, even though the original Killer Instinct never made it to the N64. And it came out on the Super Nintendo. It came out on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, the original game, it was a co-production of Rare, Nintendo, and Midway, and it was a huge hit when it came out. Uh, EGM, which is my go-to uh, gaming magazine back in the day, they called it the best fighting game experience on the market, hmm. and that was 1995 when every game was a fighting game. <laughs> yeah, so that's high praise. That's very high praise. It's very high praise. Yeah, the, uh, like, like you said, the game was ported to Super NES in 1995, uh, and it was, again, wildly successful there. It sold 3.2 million copies, which was enough to make it the 12th best-selling game on that system. Wow. That's, so it was huge. And people don't really think about it that much anymore. Not really. I, no, it, not people really. forget about it. And uh, it had that cool, like, black cartridge, and mm-hmm. it came packed in with a, uh, a soundtrack album, which was really unique for the time. It was called Killer Cuts. Uh, now you get that in games and you throw it away. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Like, when am I going to listen to the soundtrack to a video game in my car? But, um, and there you was had a, a CD player in your car at that time? I still, oh, well, not in the 90s. <laughs> okay, no, I was not. impressed. Yeah, in the 90s, I was driving like a big wheel. So, you know, I, I didn't have. I a, still a, have a cassette player in my car, so. <laughs> <laughs> Underrated the cassette. Uh, no, it's not. It's terrible. Um, there, there was a Game Boy port of this game that was also quite successful, and it was kind of used as a showcase for the Super Game Boy. Which uh, a pretty mm. cool little peripheral that I use quite a bit that lets you for the uninitiated lets you play Game Boy games through your Super Nintendo, and uh, you could play multiplayer like you play like local multiplayer on the Game Boy port of Killer Instinct. With really, this. and it looks pretty. I don't good. think that's standard. Like I think that the standard. game. Okay, so the they, game was they, specially designed was, to be able to do that. It was specially designed for that. Yeah. Okay. It, it, was, it was used as kind of a showcase for that peripheral, and so they're like, "Oh, look what you can do! Plug another controller. You can play two-player Killer Instinct on this." Got it. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, so Killer Instinct Two hit arcades in 1995, and again, it was another big hit. But by this point, critics were kind of starting to cool on the franchise. Uh, 3D fighters like Virtua Fighter and uh, uh, Dead or Alive and Soul Calibur they were starting to kind of dominate the landscape. So like, what, what year is this? 1995. Yeah. Okay. Starting, that was when they were starting to get go in that direction. Uh, so Rare began plans to adapt to the game for Super NES, but they decided last minute to shift it over to the Nintendo 64, where it was expected to be a launch title. And it wound up facing some delays, and it missed the debut window by about two months, but it's still, I think, the sixth game to come out on the system. Uh, they changed the name to Killer Instinct Gold, and the gameplay and characters remained intact, but there were some necessary graphical downgrades they had to make. Uh, the FMV cutscenes were axed entirely, uh, as were the specialized victory animations for each character, and most of the voice acting is gone, other than like the announcer and some basic A couple grunts. grunts, yeah. Uh, backgrounds now use full 3D graphics, and they were in the arcade. They're like pre-rendered. Got it. Um, yeah, this game is sort of this weird middle ground of being a 3D game, but still kind of a t- mostly a 2D fighter. Like you can knock people other directions, but you you can't move forward and back at will. Yeah, yeah. So you have to sort of it just kind of follows through the different planes. And uh, this one, like the original, came with a packed-in CD. Uh, this one was called Gold Cuts, <laughs> and I'm trying to decide if that's a pun or not. Like, what, what would it be a pun on? on cold cuts? On like, oh. meat? do you think it's like mm, a, that? Like, seems like a real reach. Yeah, do you think it's a, a lunch meat joke? I don't know. Uh, it, it feels like bad. if they really wanted a pun, I'm sure they could find something else th- uh, to go with gold. Like full gore music. Full gore music. Sure, I don't know. 
Fulgore Trout. Is that a thing? That's a Vonnegut novel. Yeah, right? that's uh, okay. the character in Breakfast of Champions. There we go. The sci-fi, okay. the sci-fi writer. There we go. And uh, yeah, that's that would not be an obscure reference. There we go. That, yeah. that's it. that would be a hit with them. <laughs> that would go over about as well as Dion and the Belmonts. Yeah, okay. yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, so there are eight characters returning from the first game, plus four new ones. Uh, the characters, I'm going to go through some of their descriptions, because I think this game has some pretty interesting sort of characters, the, I mean, actually. that's sort of what makes a fighting game stand it out, really right? Is in, when we get into Flying flying Dragon, we'll talk about this oh, more. Yes. But uh, <laughs> So it, we have uh, the aforementioned Fulgore, who is a cyborg predator type, and he's kind of the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. He's, like, on most of the promotional material. Looks like Shredder. Looks like Shredder. Yes. Looks like Shredder, yeah. Uh, Black Orchid, who is a uh, ninja warrior, and the game... Games only female. The first game's only female okay. warrior. Uh, then we get. Hmm? Was there actually? One? Yeah, that's not true. Reptor, uh, the dinosaur, was actually. Oh. Female. <laughs> it turns out was a female character because she lays eggs at the end of the first game. Okay, okay. Nice. This uh, is that, some quality good, in-depth info. That here. is a good correction. I would, I would not have thought to lift a tail. So I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. So Spinal uh, is a skeleton, and uh, interesting note about Spinal is it's voiced by Conquer creator Chris Seaver and Conquer uh, voice and Conquer voice. Yeah, absolutely. Glacius, who is an ice-based alien warrior. There's Jago, who's like the protagonist of the first game. He's like a generic Liu Kang ninja type. Oh, uh, Ryu. There's so Ryu, many Ryus. Yeah. Every single one of these games, Everyone man. Everyone has a Ryu, man. The, the uppercut, it. the fireball, and the flying kick. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need at least one. Uh, Saberwolf, who is a uh, werewolf. He's. I looked in his backstory. He's a German baron yeah. <laughs> who got bitten by a werewolf and is trying to find a cure for his curse. Um, but it's also a reference to Rare's earliest game uh, for the Spectrum ZX called uh, Saber Wolf, two words. And that was about like a, like an old-timey pith-hat-wearing adventurer uh, who makes a cameo in, I think, Banjo-Tooie? Yeah, that mistaken. sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a deep cut for Rare. But, yeah, Saber Wolf is now one of the characters. There's TJ Combo, who is an American boxer. And basically, uh, he's, he's DJ or he's Balrog, Balrog. or he's Jax. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there's Tusk who's a blonde barbarian man who shares the cover with Fulgore. And who looks like he was pulled straight out of Golden Axe. Straight he, out of Golden Axe. That, he even stands the same way as he the... He even controls be- the same way. He's <laughs> exactly. female character from Golden Axe. Uh, there's Gargos, who is a sub-boss from the first game and is the star of the label art for the cartridge. So um, then there's some of the new characters... Oh, yeah, so the new characters are uh, Tusk, Gargos, Kim Wu, who's a Chinese warrior, Maya, an Amazon princess, kind of like Wonder Woman... And then we have a couple of characters not returning, like Riptor, Chief Thunder, Cinder, and Idol. And I do have a theory, which I cannot confirm, that Riptor was left out of the sequel because of the similarities to the game Primal Rage. I think everybody was expecting that thing to be the biggest hit in the universe. So they're like, oh, we better back up and let them fighting have the dinosaur. Game, yeah. And the farting monkey. That's why the farting <laughs> monkey was cut from the game. So how would you how would you rank? I, I, as we've played so many of these fighting games, like how would you rank this cast of characters like relative to some of the other fighting games we played? I think this one's pretty good. This is the st- one of the stronger ones uh, that's not called Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all distinctive. They're all weird. Um, they're all like kind of ripoffs, but just distinctive enough to be interesting, and uh, yeah, I, I think this game's got a lot of, like, style and Yeah, definitely, style. I think Spinal, the skeleton goes a very long way, the mm-hmm. Sa- Saber Wolf is cool, as is Fulgore, and even even the Ryu ripoff is cool, because he's got, like, a sword and, like, yeah. a cool... Uh, cover over his face and the only one i actively hated was tusk just because he controls like shit like, tusk is an awful character sluggish garbage yeah, <laughs> yeah. one yeah. of the best things about uh, the spinal character actually is the fact that uh one of like a couple of his combos allow you to turn into your opponent whoa and actually fight against them like combo, and then he turns back oh shit that's <laughs> okay. pretty cool yeah so yeah, it's definitely the characters have a lot of personality that um, extends pretty well into the graphics. Um, the characters look kind of stop motiony. Um, it looks kind of a lot like Clay Fighter, actually, just not well, as cartoony. It's the same kind of three D rendering technology that Rare used for Donkey Kong Country. So if you think of oh, okay. the, if you think of the character models in Donkey Kong Country, you're kind of close. It's uh, but they're they're bigger and I th- I'd say yeah, they look shinier. They look more like Clay than Donkey Kong did. Okay. Uh, all right, so what's the deal with Killer Instinct? That's what I wrote in my notes. I wrote, I wrote, this, is, this is your type five. <laughs> hey, everyone. What's, have you played this game, Killer Instinct? It was. I mean, I what, basically, what's I, what's I, the I, deal with it? I wrote in parentheses Jerry Seinfeld voice. Yeah. What's the deal with Killer Instinct? That was Don Pardo, I think, from SNL. So <laughs> This was my Jerry Seinfeld impression, apparently. <laughs> so uh, the deal with Killer Instinct is that it's all about the combos, man. No combo, no combo, no combo! No combo! No combo! 
Nope. You got a combo. Come no on. combo for you. That's what Come happens. on, you, combo. When you do a combo break or somebody comes out, no combo for you. Exactly. <laughs> Back on the line. Yeah. It's a very strange mashup, the Seinfeld Killer odd. Instinct mashup. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Killer Instinct's fighting system is kind of similar to the dial combo style of Mortal Kombat. A little bit of a Street Fighter crib from that as well. But the combo system can go on for a pretty insanely long time. <laughs> Basically, you initiate a combo. You perform a series of continuers to keep the combo going for dozens of hits, and then you cap it off with a finisher. If you're successful, it's called an ultra. Is that right? <laughs> well, the ultra is the 30-hit combo, but oh. uh, each each different kind of combo, uh, depending on the number of hits, has a different name. So, like, any three-hit combo is called a triple, for example. Any 10-hit combo is called a king combo. Mm. Uh, 12-hit is king a master combo. King combo ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll, you'll see this actually parodied directly in Street Fighter, or, or sorry, in Clay Fighter. Mm. When you is get it? a three or a four hit combo, it gives you a little girly combo. Oh, um, okay. And you have joke names for the length of your combo. I'm I'm, I'm warming up to Clay Fighter. Yeah, no, yeah. it's Clay Fighter's great. I, I, I only ever. I mean, this is off topic because we'll get to that episode eventually. But I, I played that on the Genesis. Like I remember so desperately wanting that game. I did chores for like three months. I saved up every penny to buy that seventy dollar Genesis cartridge, and then I played it for like fifteen minutes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, eh. This wasn't worth it. Um, But one of the signature moves of Killer Instinct and uh, one of the things people remember it for is the combo breaker, which uh, you can execute by interrupt. Basically, you interrupt the combo. But it's It's different for every character. You do a special move um, basically right at the right time and have to know the combo breaker button for that character. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, I think. It's like you said, it's very intricate. It's very, this one takes an investment if you want to be really good at it. Uh, it does a nice job. There is a um, a training mode which is useful, um, where it customizes. You know, it shows you what you your inputs for all the different characters. So you pick a character and attack this little training dummy, and it'll say, "All right, you need to half circle back and then press kick." And so you can learn all the special moves. You can learn the combos that way, which is really nice as a training mode. It was pretty comprehensive. I was impressed. I, I think it's a well executed training mode. Like I think. The developers really want you to sink a lot of time. They really want you to play, and uh, they're trying to make it a little less obtuse. Yeah, I think like I think most fighting games don't really tell you what to do. They just kind of assume you know what to do. That's definitely been a switch in fighting games in general. Like if you played Street Fighter, um, you know when it first came out, or the early Mortal Kombat games, mm-hmm. these moves are all like a secret, and the yeah. combos are all secret. So you, I would, you, I would go online and print out these big moves lists and oh, staple yeah. them together <laughs> and be and be you know practice them, and then eventually. They're like, you know, why are we keeping this all a secret? I think that started about Tekken. And then they would have training modes where they would show you all your characters' moves, all the set combos, yeah. and you could actually, like, practice them. And now that's pretty standard, just the moves list. And I think that's a, that's a positive shift. Oh, definitely. I really enjoy that. Like, I, I, like, I like at least pretending to know what I'm Yeah, doing. I mean, it was such <laughs> bullshit when you played these games, and they're like, how did you do that move? And the person's like, I'm not going to... I would play with yeah. my brother, and I'm like, how did you shoot the gun? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you how I shot the gun. And I'm like, well... <laughs> Because if I tell you, you'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so because this is a post-Mortal Kombat fighting game, there has to be some kind of violent finishing move. Uh, here they're called No Mercy Attacks, uh, so you can mutilate your nemesis, or you could pull off a humiliation attack where you uh, you leave your opponent alive, but you make them dance or, like, wear a diaper or, I don't know, call their, make them call their ex-girlfriend or something. I don't know what to do exactly. We, we weren't able to execute any of those. You make them listen to our Jerry they Seinfeld impression. Very difficult to pull off. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to, different than Mortal Kombat, because in Mortal Kombat, once you win the fight, there's a little period where you can just have free reign to put in the button combination. In this, you have to put in the button combination during the fight. Right. Right? Like, to they have to be very low health, and then you do this finishing move and you have to be doing it while trying to not get interrupted by your opponent (laughs) right 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 (laughs) which is like not easy uh there's lots of like things flying out like i i I don't know dm was demonstrating the uh, combo system by whooping my ass Uh, (laughs) yeah you 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 picked this game up i mean i know you'd played it before but clearly you had had experience with this game dm right right when we started i I played the n64 version when it originally came out and then for like a year and i haven't played it since okay okay but yeah yeah, you like right when we started you're like i haven't played this in so long and then like two fights later you're like ultra comboing us (laughs) (laughs) and i understand now why people don't play fighting games with you (laughs) i've I've, I, you, you executed a humiliation on me, and I'm dancing now. 
yeah, so uh, the, the, there's a plot to this game. Ooh, uh, exciting! I'm always curious about what's making these people fight. You know, why are they? Why are they just showing I, up? I like. Um, I love. Uh, Smash Brothers, like the original Smash Brothers, or uh, where there's just like, just like picks up the characters and puts, like there's no pretext. Like we don't have a story. There's just like a giant hand of God that makes these characters fight, no, and you have to go it, beat the hand. They're toys. They're yeah. really toys, You're, and it's like just a kid with a toy box, like bumping his action figures together. So it's great. They've really expanded from that. Into yeah. Bizarre. Oh yeah. The new one is like this epic, like twenty plus hour RPG. Like it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, the basic plot is a continuation of the first game. Uh, so the, the first game, there's an evil corporation that organizes a tournament between some of the world's best fighters and then a couple of genetic monsters that they built in their lab. Except so, for poor Glacius, who ended up crash-landing on a planet in the middle of the tournament. <laughs> that is so inconvenient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. It's like pulling off to get your tire change, and yeah. there's like a fight club going on in the yeah. garage. Well, I guess basically. I have to compete. It's like, yeah. well, shit, I need my tire change, yeah. and they're all wrapped up in this. All right, no, I'll, I better end it quickly. Uh, so, yeah, so they make them fight. Uh, the final fight involves an interdimensional demon called Idol with E-Y-E-D-O-L, like I, eyeball, doll, I don't know. It's really, it looks, it looks stupid. I keep wanting to say idol. Uh, but he, he crosses over into our world thanks to the Ultratech technology, and Black Orchid is able to defeat Idol, and as a consequence, all of the fighters are transported back in time 2,000 years, and they have to defeat Gargos, who is Idol's lieutenant that was unleashed in the chaos of the first tournament. So that's what's happening in this game. Uh, it's basically Mortal Kombat. Uh, so there's a tournament, there's multiple realms, mm-hmm. there's evil monsters. It's all the same game. Uh, single player mode is cool, though, because each character has up to four endings, depending on which characters you defeat. Oh. So, like, if, say, if you're playing as Jago and you fail to defeat Fulgore and Black Orchid, then they'll show up in the end and kill you. That's cool. But, you know, it'll be different if you beat them, so... Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the gameplay itself. How does it? How does it go? How did? You, what were you guys' impressions? How did you feel about it? Well, so yeah, it's. I would say it's runs like most fighting games that you've played. It's a two sure. D fighting game in a three D plane. Um, and it, yeah, I think that it plays a lot like Street Fighter. Um, and the combo system is it's very based around the combo system, and I think it's very. It's not super friendly to button mashing. Um, I, I think that Dion's point is accurate in terms of it wants you to figure out the game systems and the combo systems and get good at them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it seems really difficult at first when you're starting to get into it, but then once you like figure out what your character's moves are, it becomes very fluid, and then you only have to press like four or five buttons in order to like really wreak havoc on somebody. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a decent amount of game here, especially for, like, an early N64 fighting game. We played, like, you know, Fighter's Destiny, which had, like, no <laughs> modes at all. And this one has an arcade and then a tag team and then an elimination mode and there's a couple of practice The thing that's and- weird about all these, though, with fighting games is they're all the same basic mode. They are. <laughs> they are. Yes. Whether you're playing a team tournament or arcade, like, it's just you one-on-one fighting. Um, it's this, just different flavors of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. they've sort of another. That's another change in fighting games is they've sort of made more and more of an effort to sort of expand. Like uh, Injustice has like the story mode where you get items and you upgrade mm. your character and things the like that. The story mode in Injustice is fucking great, and that yes. like it's got a really good, well acted story with amazing facial animations. Like right, yeah. and whereas in you know this, you just sort of play and fight eight fighters and then win, and then you pick a different character and fight eight fighters and win. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, you know, I, I liked this game. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's pretty slick. Uh, it, it controls well. Uh, I, I never felt like, I never felt like my fighter wasn't listening to me. Like in some of the games we played. I had a real issue with the hit detection in this game. I felt mm. like there's a lot of times and areas where it feels like you're attacking the opponent and your punch will sort of go through them and then their punch will hit you. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that's related to like who went first, but it's sort of. It doesn't feel look quite right to me. There is a uh, a kind of like rumor that has gone around the game where some people have wondered if there's a rock paper scissors element to mm. the characters, um, and so that might be part of like that. a certain level of punch beats a certain kind of kick or exactly. something. Exactly, like interesting. Yeah, 
And that's not confirmed. That's just kind of like fan shatter. Yeah. Well, the thing that's odd about this kind of these sort of old fighting games is since a lot of the systems are a little more opaque in terms of how they work because there's no in-depth training mode and there's not really like a competitive scene to go play Killer Instinct Gold anymore. (laughs) I know. Uh, It's a shame. Then (laughs) somebody um, should boot up Rare Replay and just like jam on it. Is this game on Rare Rare Replay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Then sort of a lot of these sort of in-depth systems are just kind of lost and it's all just sort of speculative. I think that this game is sort of regarded as a slight classic in the sense that, um, you know, it came out really early and it was a new fighting game for the system, whereas yeah. Mortal Kombat was just kind of the same thing we'd seen for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think that this game has aged that great. I mean, it's not bad, but I certainly wouldn't rush back to play it over really any other fighting games. I still would vastly prefer Mortal Kombat, but maybe that's yeah. just because that's what I'm used to. And that's always yeah. the tricky part about fighting games is so much of it is like, what did you grow up playing? What do you know the moves for? And like, what are you used to and what feels natural? This is definitely and like so, fighting games are that genre. I think that's a really good point. Fighting games are that the, one of the few genres where like your experience with it is going to be very, very defined by your first exposure. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I said, like my, I think my first exposure was Mortal Kombat. So yeah. like I tend to prefer games that play more like that than play like Street Fighter. Yeah. And I do see a lot of Mortal Kombat in this one. I think overall I, I, I liked this game. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun to play. I think ultimately it's probably a little too intricate and hardcore for my sensibilities because I'm still kind of a button masher <laughs> and I'm bad at things. Um <laughs> But I would play this again, yeah, for sure. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I I definitely agree with uh, the earlier comment that uh, that you know this was the the first one that I played. Like I didn't really know about Mortal Kombat, and so this one definitely sticks out for me a lot more. You know, it's like your first Final Fantasy experience, or <laughs> you know, right, Star yeah. Wars versus Star Trek. You know that that kind of thing, definitely. Uh, and so yeah, I as much as a uh, Killer Instinct Gold did well, like I still think it failed out of the three. Um, <laughs> It's yeah, probably it's, the worst one. But that's, that's being so there, yeah, Super Nintendo Killer Instinct. There's a new one for, for Xbox yeah. One, and then there's Killer Instinct. Yeah, Gold. but and uh, I, it, I like it still. I mean, Killer Instinct did something very weird for video game franchises in that it went away for a long, long time. Uh, <laughs> yes. This this series was dormant for 13 years. No, 17 years. It was 17 years, uh, and like. Because, you know, a Rare kind of started shifting over to more platforming games mm-hmm. because that was, you know, making them a shitload of money. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, this game kind of underperformed on the N64. It wasn't a flop by any standard, but it didn't crack the million sales club. I uh, think fighting games during this time, starting um, sort of around the N64 and PlayStation, just kind of fell out of favor in general. Like, a little yeah. bit, 3D fighting yeah. games did okay. but it I don't oversaturated. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was until the sort of onset of functional, consistent multiplayer multiplayer that fighting games have made kind of a resurgence with Definitely. like Mortal Kombat 9 and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, this uh, Rare started focusing on platformers and then uh, they were bought by Microsoft and Microsoft didn't really have much interest in making fighting games. They were they were kind of all about Halo at that point and just first-person shooters, so uh, they made Rare make Perfect Dark Zero instead of more of this. But fans were pushing for it for a long, long time, and finally uh, the game resurged on Xbox One in 2013. And it was pretty well received, from what I understand. You have a limited number of. Uh, are you not a fan? No, I oh. am. I actually, uh, because like it was a launch title, and I was actually one of the uh, people uh, who was able to go play the Xbox One before it was released oh. to the public. Uh, I remember playing it at the University District in, in Seattle with my friend Levi. And if you won the tournament, then you would get, you won an Xbox One Whoa. a week before. Uh, it was released, and so oh, that's awesome. Levi and I remember like we were spending the night at this house for like a full week, just like watching <laughs> all these videos of all these you know uh, people who were able to like develop the game and play it, and then like trying to play the old ones to to hopefully win the game. Whoa! <laughs> so how'd you do? Uh, I ended up making it to like number seven actually oh, out of like twenty five players. Um, that's really not bad for yeah, especially for a game I had never. So played. So you guys yeah, were like, all playing. 
this for the game for the first time. For the first time, yeah. That's wow. like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know they did. That's like the wizard, the scene in The Wizard. Oh, yeah. I hate that scene bugged me so much because they're like, we've never played this game before. We've never played Super Mario Brothers 3 before. And then he's like, oh, get the warp whistle. Like, in the secret. And you're like, how do you know where the warp whistle is? Also, like, they were, in that movie, they were couching Mario 3 as a competitive game somehow. Like, they kept like, like, I don't know how, I didn't understand it's their a scoring score, system. right? You get... But it was like some guy was just like yelling at them. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe you're doing this. It's like they're just playing Mario three like normal, dude. Calm down. <laughs> and he's not doing anything no anybody else wouldn't do. Uh, yeah, that's really awesome though. Like I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever played an Xbox One. No, that's not true. I've played a little bit of an Xbox One. I played uh, Cuphead on that. But. We need to find, find some kind of do a game tournament for a game that no one's ever played. Yeah, that's the that's that's a good that's a good setup. Bust a move. There yeah, you go. <laughs> do the best to move one. Do the or what's what's the one we played? Uh, medieval the, mayhem. Medieval mayhem. mayhem that that that's a homebrew game. Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun Atari game. Yeah, that'd be really fun. Or like uh, we Woody had a little tournament at his house a while ago, and we played like Soul Calibur two with the DDR pads. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> it, was it was just like, chaos. It was just frantically <laughs> jogging on the awful. thing. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, <laughs> that's that's the only way I can even. That's always the tricky part too with fighting games in general is how do you how do you even the the score between people who you know know all the moves and the specialties and people who don't and i figured the dance pad was a good way to do it that's a great one last thing about uh killer instinct Mm. just because i forgot to mention it It, it's the earliest game that i remember that has the now sort of very commonly used round difference of where when you win a round the character simply falls over it doesn't say like blank wins yeah yeah um the character falls over you keep your life bar of where you were and then they get back up their life fills up and so you have to basically knock someone down twice right and now this is pretty standard in fighting games i think the new mortal Kombat does it um injustice does it yeah yeah. yeah. like everything yeah it's a better way to go yeah it's faster you don't have the screen you know fading out and coming back up with like round two yeah and we could save the victory animations for the very end you know when they've earned it uh Cool. Let's move on to Flying Dragon. Because, Flying Dragons. Uh, yeah, you know, like we try and we try and lump games together sometimes if we don't think we could fill a whole episode. And Flying Dragon is not is one of those. It's a fighting game. It's a very these games really have nothing game. to do with each other aside from not the fact they're both no. fighting games. They're both fighting games. They both have two words. No, never mind. Killer Instinct Gold has three words. They have nothing in common. Uh, flying Dragon was released July thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. It was developed by Culture Brain and published by Natsume, and it was a N sixty four exclusive. Uh, Culture Brain is still around. They've wow. been making games since nineteen eighty. Most of their big hits are Japan exclusives, but they have a couple of memorable titles over here, including The Magic of Sherazada, Kung Fu Hustle, or I'm sorry, Kung, Kung Fu, Fu Heroes, Heroes, and Baseball Simulator 1000, which I believe Woody has it, a lot of affinity it, Yeah, for. it is a personal favorite of mine. I don't know if I've told this story of Baseball Simulator 1000 before, tell it again, but I'll tell it again. Um, that game is a great uh, original NES game where it's just like, it's funny because it's called Baseball Simulator, but like all your characters have essentially magic powers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can do this special pitch. Where there's a stop ball where you press A while the ball is going and it'll just stop and you'll try to fade it, fake out the person hitting to swing early. Anyway, when you use this pitch, like lightning comes down and the whole screen goes dark and this lightning comes down in the most seizure inducing thing. <laughs> and so my roommate Scott and I, when we were in college, um, he, he was walking walking back to our dorm, and he said, I could tell you were playing Baseball Simulator 1000 <laughs> from outside because the whole room was flashing. <laughs> and then I came inside, and your mouth was frothing and yeah. you on the ground. So uh, just another recommendation for Baseball Simulator 1000. It gives me it. far more, like, affinity for culture brain i don't know yeah. the, the culture brain symbol just makes me happy and it's such a weird company name like it i is. don't know what and like you said like the uh, there are billboards in there where they're advertising flying, flying dragon. dragon yeah in like, baseball yeah. simulator 1000 it'll cut over to the billboard and like play flying dragon play kung fu heroes <laughs> and i don't know all their games have sort of weird deformed they're very japanese company oh, yeah, very, which very. and uh, like the vast majority of their games are never come stateside at all yeah uh, Natsume is another Japanese company that's also still around, uh, which is pretty rare that we have both developer and publisher that are still around <laughs> uh, for a game, especially kind of a nondescript one like this. But uh, Natsume, they were founded in 1987. We will talk in more detail about them when we discuss their most popular series, Harvest Moon. It uh, seems like as a whole, 
a lot of these companies that are just sort of more focused on Japanese and Japanese sort of development yeah. um, have lasted a lot longer than the American companies. So many of these American companies have gone away. They get very um, get hyped sucked up. up and hyped yeah. up. But like yeah. most of these Japanese companies are still pumping still stuff pumping. out, either yeah. even if it's just like a pachinko machine or something like that. They Definitely. find ways to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I don't absolutely. know. They, that must have something to do with like the business models in the different countries. They know country, their market, yeah. and I think there's a bigger gamer population in Japan. Like It's more of a culture there. Like I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I think there's more that could support it over there. Uh, so Flying Dragon is actually part of a long-running series called... Do you think, sorry, to, oh, do yeah. you think there's more... There's probably more market for niche games in Japan, right? Like, I oh, feel yeah. like oh, in the far. U.S. There's like, a game where you finger somebody's butt. <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah, the, the arcade where it's just someone's butt cheeks. Yeah, like, you, you have a, your controller, it's like a light gun that looks like a finger, and you're just supposed to finger the butt, like in rhythm. So, yeah, well, speaking of niche that's games... That's a niche game, right? Yeah, I, I guess what I mean is like... Uh, in the States, like, we just sort of have these few, like, big titles that are, like, huge and everyone plays. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like maybe more in Japan, there's, like, I guess there's more market for, like, you know, visual novels and... Yeah. I mean, look mm-hmm. at fucking Katamari. Yeah. <laughs> like, that game would have... That's true. That's, like, I mean, the, that's the weirdest, like, most unlikely success story, like, yeah. over here. But, like. it, yeah, I mean, it's sold on the promise of Japanese weirdness, whereas oh, that's yeah. just kind of, like, a like a weird game that comes out there but is sort of within I do feel like I need to add a programmer note here uh, that that game with the uh, the fingering the butts that's not a bit we're not making that up that's yeah. you can look that up that's real um, okay so Flying Dragon is part of a long running series that does not involve fingering butts called Hiryo no Ken or Fist of the Flying Dragon uh, the series started with a game called Shanghai Kids. Fist of the Flying Dragon is a badass name. Why is it That's not called better. Fist yeah. of the Flying Dragon? I'm wondering if they Dragon. thought it might be confused with Fist of the, the North Star. Star. Okay, I'll like, buy that. Because that was kind of starting to get popular around the late 90s. I mean, oh, maybe they wanted way. to unassociate themselves from fisting due to the bad press <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the butt game. <laughs> from, their other, from their butt game, yeah. Uh, so it, it was uh, the first game was called uh, Shanghai Kids in 1985. It would go on to sp- there are 16 games in this. Series. Oh my gosh! Uh, only three of them were released in the states. There was Flying Dragon: The Secret Scroll for NES. Yeah. There was Ultimate Fighter for the SNES, and then this game. Uh, there was also a game called Flying Warrior on the NES that features some of the same characters, but it's kind of like a spinoff. Uh, so the series has been dormant since 2000, when the last game was released exclusively in Japan for the Game Boy Color. All right, so Flying Dragon is unusual in many respects. (laughs) Um, Oh, tell us more, Steve. Firstly, uh, it's a fighting game that incorporates RPG elements, which is, I still think, objectively a cool idea. Well, it is sort of like we were just talking about uh, Injustice, and that's what Injustice does. As you win fights, you get items and costumes Mm. for your character, which sort of build up your stats. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work when you play online, because other people have, like, all this better equipment than you. Um, But it's still a very cool idea for the single-player mode when you're playing against the computer. Yeah, definitely. So, yes, you have that. And then secondly, the game has different graphics depending on what mode you play. All right, so it's there's... It's essentially... I mean, there's, there's essentially two different games two here. Two very different games here, yeah. 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 It's not only a change in graphics. It's a change in, like, the moves your characters can do and even the characters themselves. The characters themselves. are different, yeah. yeah. So you get the two modes. There's SD mode. SD, in this case, does not stand for standard definition. <laughs> it stands for super deformed. <laughs> uh, it's like... That's like the story mode, and it has kind of short, like... Uh, the the word is chibi, I believe. Like when you're when you're describing characters that are like kind of short and squat and like those are not to be extra cute, hyper cute. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so they're kind of chibi looking character models. But then the versus mode, you have taller characters. It's called virtual mode, and it looks like virtual fighter. Mm-hmm. Yes, like they're tall, they're lean, and they look a little more realistic, and they control differently. Yeah, and so the chibi mode is sort of your your SD mode is the one that's all based around getting these items. Mm-hmm. Before every fight, you'll be a little equip screen, and you equip, like, you know, gloves or a... Sacred loin- water. <laughs> sacred sacred water, water. Or your famous blue loincloth. Hey, sacred water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or your blue loincloth that increases your attack somehow. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I want to parse this out exactly. Okay, <laughs> what possible way could a loincloth enhance your attack uh, power? Maybe I so. feel like, if anything, it makes you more vulnerable. <laughs> I would say, well, I mean, based on either having nothing or having a loincloth, maybe you're feeling more self-confident because your junk's not flapping all over. Uh, bring I mean, that up with one Mr. Vigo Mortensen in the film <laughs> Eastern Promises. He killed all those guys with his dong flapping around. So, 
Next argument. Okay, well, then I guess I don't know. That was the best I could do. Right. Also, I want a spinoff game called Dong Fighters. Uh, starring <laughs> that Vigo game Morgan. exists. There's a game, there's a game called Penis Jousting <laughs> where you play as uh, disembodied penises and fight each other. That can't be it's real. It's called Penis Jousting. Where can I buy it and how many <laughs> copies will they let me buy at a time? Um, it's, on, it's on the internet, Steve. Okay. Just Google search penis jousting and you will find it, I promise, and I'm I not pranking you. terrified about what's going to come up in I that I believe Google it has search. a highly emotional story mode. <laughs> Is that why all those tissues are there? Yeah, right. Exactly. the emotions? That's right. The tears? Anyway, um, we're getting the grossest we've ever been on the show. Yeah. So we, we're out of practice. We'll get a, we'll get back Just in glad it. Glad this yeah. is the one I'm featured. In. <laughs> yeah. Like the grossest you get is when you guys have the gay guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we tar- we we picked that specifically. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about flying dragon. All right, yeah. So, so it's got a- these weird equip modes and then yeah. as you win fights i guess you get different items you get more and- treasure yeah you can find treasure and then you can equip the treasure so this game has better. an absolutely absurd number of modes so many so yes. it, this game is in this new genre which i've just recently discovered of super obscure japanese fighting games with too many modes way too many modes. way too many it's so it's this game it's uh flying dragon it's dual heroes which had that crazy power ranger storyline oh and all these weird this sort of arcade mode where it was like you were playing in an arcade with other computer players so weird. and then uh what's the other uh deadly arts oh deadly where arts. you yeah, would yeah, yeah. have this mode where you would sort of your character would learn new moves as you went on and all these games are united by the fact that they all suck yeah. Um, but somehow they expect you to play through all these modes. And you're like, why didn't you guys get your gameplay to be fun before yeah. you started adding 10? Yeah, I think this game has 20 modes, something, something like, like that. that. Uh-huh. I mean, if, if you factor in, like, because you could play them all in one player or you can play them all two player. And so first you choose, like, what graphical style and gameplay you want. And then if you choose the virtual style, you have to choose if you want 2D gameplay or 3D gameplay. Yeah. And then you decide your customization of items. And then you want to do a team tournament or it's There's it's so insane. Much. There's um, so much And this game on. also, I feel like, suffers from a bad translation. When you go to the uh, when you go to the controls, it asks you to set up of operations. Set up of operations. And yes. there's a there's separate from the option menu, and um, then you get your great like little dialogue bubbles of characters like trash talking before a fight, and it's usually kind of nonsense. Yeah, and it's charming. It really, I think that it really suffers. You know, where we were complimenting Killer Instinct for being pretty open about its systems. This game, there's just a button that's called. You look at the option that says Secret Breaker, yeah. and you're like, "What the hell is a seat like? What happens when you press Secret Breaker? Does your opponent like come whisper into your ear? Like, <laughs> it's just nothing is clear in terms of what it does or how you get items. And so this is a game that you, it kind of piques your curiosity of like, what are all these modes? I'm but I really did wish I had a manual or had access to a PDF of the manual. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, and like, you know, I feel like there's I feel like this would be a goddamn book. And like, there's not much information on it online. Kudos to the strange person who went to GameFAQs and wrote up I all know. the stats for every item in this game. Oh, I love these weird <laughs> people who like just go so in depth on these. Like it's amazing and it helps us out so much. <laughs> So, I mean, like this, yeah, like we said, there's even a different roster of fighters for each mode. So, SD mode has eight characters off the bat, and you can get two more unlockable. Virtual mode has eight characters and one unlockable, but there's only three characters across between both modes. That's Ryu, Ryuhi, Hayato, and Shoryu. They're the only ones that appear in both modes. So there's like a lot of like fresh characters that only appear in one. Bless you. Thank you. And how it, and so we were we were again praising Killer Instinct for having sort of unique characters what what did you guys think about this roster of characters the the Uh, sumo robot person that you were playing steve well here's (laughs) here's the thing like like all these games they try and put the 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 boring ryu character front and center so in this case ryu he is like (laughs) they didn't even change his name (laughs) he's like the default protagonist of the series but I think, like most fighting games, he's the most boring one. Because, like, I looked at some of the backstories. Shoryu is a psychic ghost hunter from Mexico who is trained as a Lucha Libre. <laughs> That's like, pretty fun. I want a whole okay. game on yeah. that. Yeah, we don't, we don't really learn much about that, though. Robo Nohana, who's a robot sumo wrestler from another planet. Who's basically E-Honda. He's E-Honda, totally E-Honda. There's Powers, who's an American wrestler who's been painted up to look like the ultimate warrior. And there's Kate, who is a Swedish Interpol agent and kickboxing champion. <laughs> Like, these are way more interesting than, like, 
warrior yeah (laughs) it's a shame like yeah this game suffers from very you know early 3d sort of virtual fighter look where everyone looks sort of the same and very uh blocky um you know the killer instinct characters were a lot um more colorful and smooth looking and big and big whereas this you know despite those crazy backstories no one i don't think really pops as like no i'm gonna remember this character and i mean i think each character has ostensibly their own like storyline if you want to play through sd mode as each character they have their own different endings and stuff like that but there's not too much else to distinguish it um I mean, I think this style of game is unique in the fact that you can upgrade your character. I think you see, this is being extremely charitable, but you can see shades of the story mode in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Sure. Like, I feel like that kind of derived Yeah, like the spirits this. of... Yeah, the spirits adventure. Like, yeah. And a spirit adventure is way, way more fun and way more intuitive well, and, and that's just enjoyable. Be, yeah, because the gameplay itself is more fun. It is, it's, yeah. It's weird to me that there's, for not having that many fighting games on the system, that there are three yeah. of these fighting games with these sort of modes. Even Fighter's Destiny had some of that, too. I don't know if this somehow was like a temporary fad of wanting you to like sort of level up your, char- your specific personal character. Because yeah. like, when you play this, every time you start a fight it's like do you want to use your memory card right you want to load up your memory so i think what they're going for is you go over to your friend's house with your flying dragon save data on your memory card and you're like i'm playing as my leveled up character on here so you get ready yeah um and which is just such a bizarre premise somebody somewhere must have done that but they must have yeah mm. and i can't imagine the the will that it takes and that's the yeah that's the other bizarre thing about fighting games is like if your fighting game is not a success and other people aren't playing it, you you would be the only person. Uh, if you own Flying Dragon, you were the only person among your friend group yeah. who owned Flying Dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. no one else is going to want to play it with you. Yeah, because they don't know anything, and so I don't. Know, it's so all right. Well, I guess what's what's the gut opinion on this game? I'm getting a lot of like animosity, but from people. But I mean, what what do we really think about it as a game? So like one of my biggest issues with the game, uh, two two things. One, I I think they got the flying dragon from how tall your character freaking jumps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like literally, your character will jump twice as tall as your opponent's sprite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so your sumo character leapt. 12 feet up in the air. Very confusing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was weird to me was that half of the buttons didn't do anything. So yeah. you're playing and you're like, oh, left C, why am I not moving? Why am I not doing anything? And like the normal moving forward, just you pressing forward once, what looks like you were dashing. Yeah, I love that. Everybody's just like scooting. <laughs> yeah, there's all no over. walking animation. Nobody's just, knees bend. Every, <laughs> everyone is just literally wave dashing across the stage. The yeah, time. it's ridiculous looking. It's kind of it's really funny though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I kind of want to give this game credit for its ambition. Like, it's trying a lot here. Compared to a lot of the games, the fighting games we've tried, like War Gods or, like, even Mace, which we kind of begrudgingly like. It's like, (laughs) these are games that are very, very bare-bones arcade ports, and you can get, they're a dime a dozen. This one's weird and different and complicated, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so I can respect the ambition. But you could say the same thing for Dual Heroes, Steve, and that's at the bottom of your list. So (laughs) This plays better than Dual Heroes. Uh, But I think the big... Uh, the the big issue with for this one for me is that it's just kind of very generic. There's yes. nothing that really the fighting system is very bland. What's well, bland and, easily, and bad? You can easily it's, like you you discovered you can easily spam it just by pressing the special attack button the entire yeah. time. Do a flying kick and I'll never be able to get up. And uh, it's bullshit and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's really this is kind of the more frustrating kind of bad game mm-hmm. because it's not bad all the way through, and you're curious about what it's doing, but the actual game isn't fun to play. So it's it doesn't true. really matter what other modes are in the game because you play it for ten minutes and you're sick of it. So right, like you're not right. going to go through to try and find all the items. Yes. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. It, it's it's one I want to like, but I I don't think, think you're in an extra you're extra lenient mood today, Steve. Since um, we haven't played anything in a while, it, it's been a little while. We've had a nice breather from our monster truck We've had game. A break. You guys haven't seen us in a while. I've I've grown taller. I've grown leaner. <laughs> My hair is restored to its old blonde luster. You uh, have a Zach Galifianakis sized beard. I do. I do. Yeah. You know, I've I've finally got my twelve pack abs back. Um, you made I, a lot of positive changes in the last week. It's been a good week. It's yeah. been a good week. Um, yeah. So you know, but I've changed a lot in my soul. Um, anyway, 
Let's. You guys want to move on? To yeah, our I think we've. Sus- sus- I've got a lot of far more than. Today, oh my gosh! Yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh, start off with you guys. So each week we rank the games that we've just played and we add them to our list. We have a hundred something on here so far. Um, what do you want? We start with you because I haven't looked at my list yet. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm probably being a little harsh on this, but I'm putting Killer Instant Gold at number fifty three. Which is right under Star Wars Racer. Okay. Um, Star Wars Racer, you know, was not great by any means, um, but it was definitely more intuitive. I just don't feel like there's sort of the gameplay modes to make me want to keep playing um, Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little less fun than Fighter's Destiny and definitely much less fun than Mortal Kombat, which is still my go-to. Okay. Um but yeah, it it's not a bad game. It plays it plays perfectly fine, and if you and a friend grew up playing it, I think you'd enjoy playing it again. Um, Flying Dragons is is a bad game, <laughs> um, and I'm putting it at number ninety six, which is right under Deadly Arts, which I feel like are a good sort of two pair um, down there of just sort of weird games that feel like they have something going on, but. A two-button fighting game, man, with where you have a basic punch and a basic kick, that's just not going to cut it. You know, this is pretty lacking in moves. And this game also doesn't... None of the characters pop with anything weird. There's not really crazy special moves or anything. It's just sort of a lot of very basic punching and kicking. It's it's very bad, very simplified Tekken or Virtua Fighter with a bunch of superfluous modes that are a curio. Yeah. So, Dion, you've got two games on here. You have to make the impossible choice. What's better, <laughs> Killer Instinct Gold or Flying Dragon? Well, obviously, I'm you know completely unbiased in my decision of uh, Killer Instinct Gold being the number one oh, wow. <laughs> out of the two. You would be very. You would have to be very biased the other way for that to switch. <laughs> I just like, lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, this this game, uh, uh, Flying Dragon, like. The only game that I could think of that could match how terrible this is would be like the Super Monkey Ball for the Wii. Oh, whoa, that's a kind of a hot take, isn't it? <laughs> I, don't, is, I haven't played the Wii. Monkey oh, is, is the Wii yeah, Monkey you, Ball worse than the other ones? It's, uh, you have to hold the Wii oh. just like in your hand horizontal and then like move your hand, and then that controls that your character throughout the. All so the you're not calling out Monkey Ball as a whole. No. Oh, okay, because I feel like we would that, get some angry letters. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that that like control scheme reminds me of. How bad this game was? Yeah. Okay, so I feel like this is a common thing, is when we got on new guests and they get stuck playing these games, and like, this game was awful, and it's like, well, you have not been playing the games that Steve right. and I have been playing. Yes, no, <laughs> I've played some bad games. We played a Transformer yeah, game that literally made us sick. Yeah, yeah. So. no, I, I mean, I've played, like, uh, Gax, for example. I think that's what it's called. It's a weird, like, lizard... Oh, Gex. 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 Yeah, Gex, yeah. yeah. Again, we'll Gex is pretty great <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, like, relative to what we've yeah. played. This was, like, bizarre to me, and I didn't like it at all but i wouldn't say like i don't know it's better <laughs> play it than whatever yeah. flying dragon i feel like yeah. that was my take on chameleon twist for a really long time but now woody's yeah me on that. he's saying that game's actually great so yeah <laughs> we'll see when we get to those um all right so for my list um yeah like i said maybe i'm just in a good mood i'm in a generous mood i'm being nice to these games i liked killer instinct quite a bit i enjoyed it i think i would play that again i liked the characters it had style it had personality and uh, I do like that it was. It, it's a hardcore fighting game that is still trying to be a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. So I give it props for that. Um, it's it's not the most compelling thing I've ever played, but I enjoyed it well enough. I'm putting that at my new number thirty. Yep. Uh, so that's uh, just between Donkey Kong sixty four above and Mega Man sixty four below. That's that's, so re- like that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. It's, it's probably right about the right place. And uh, Flying Dragon, I'm going to be real nice to it. Um, <laughs> I'm putting it at number 66, so it's just below Glover and just above uh, Cruz and Exotica. Again, it's like, I didn't feel anything here was a disaster. Um, this wasn't unplayable. It was just kind of, they got a little too big for their britches. Yeah, and yes. they took on more than they could handle. And, uh, you know, they but A for effort. A for effort for Flying Dragon. Okay. You know, I'll give them that. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me move on to some letters here. We have three letters Goodness this week, which me. is awesome. I love getting letters. You can send them to ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, this first one, they didn't sign the letter, but their email is Juno, so I'm going to call them Juno. Nice. Uh, so, the Bomberman 64 episode reminded me of a culturally insensitive presentation I helped give in seventh grade. <laughs> Good, I'm glad we could stimulate these memories. <laughs> and felt that y'all would be an appropriate audience to hear my we, tale. We are. All right, we're here for it. Was no one more appropriate for inappropriate <laughs> cultural presentations than us? <laughs> 
My seventh grade English class was tasked with researching a country and presenting it to the rest of my grade. I worked with two, my two friends to present on Japan. Our presentation consisted almost entirely of anime and video games and concluded with handing out graham crackers that had white frosting and a red dot in the middle to resemble the nation's flag. Uh, the video game segment was almost exclusively the introduction to Bomberman 64, The Second Attack, <laughs> as a demonstration of exported goods and services. Despite next to no educational merit to the presentation, our teacher begrudgingly gave us an A since we were presenting to our grade. The students provided feedback on the presentations with ours a clear favorite, likely due to showing a video game and giving people sugar. <laughs> Thanks for the entertaining show and keep up the great work. See, that is not that inappropriate. That could have no. been worse. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's maybe at worst reductive to say that <laughs> yeah. is nothing but anime and video games, but, you know... I think that's an important part of their culture. It's uh, once uh, I was during my senior project. My senior project was about uh, artistic merits of video games. Yeah, and I played. Mine the, too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're dorks! <laughs> I played the introduction movie to Fallout, like oh. uh, the '97 Fallout. Wow, okay. war, war never changes. Ron Perlman, yeah, yeah. Um, and that did not go over as well. <laughs> I had to change it. See, I kind of relate to the person who wrote this letter because uh, in high school, I was secretary of anime club. <laughs> and uh, our principal decided to host a cherry blossom festival for the five Japanese students that were there and made us put it on because we knew about anime Japan. <laughs> How did they respond to that? They're just like, this is so pandering. Yeah, it, it, yeah, they, they like, we apologize to them profusely. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. our principal is making us do this. Like, I am so sorry. <laughs> and, and so, like, at first, yeah, they definitely weren't happy at first, but they, like, apologize. You know, they were, they were receiving. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so our next letter here is from Jacob Holt. Jake Holt. You say it like that every time. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he loves that. Uh, hey, guys, loving the podcast, writing this around the release of your 40 Winks episode. All right, so that's about two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and I'm w waiting eagerly for this game to pop up on the feed. Uh, one of my biggest memories of the N64 is a strange one. It isn't my first time seeing Ganondorf transform into Ganon, even though it's epic every time I replay Ocarina of <laughs> Time. Nor is it running into that first painting. Unfortunately, uh -huh. I barely played Super Mario 64, but watched my friend play it from start to finish. Well, you and should go play it again, Jake. Go play it again. It's, it's still, still fun. And it's definitely not those jaunty tunes becoming an earworm after popping in Banjo-Kazooie, mm. another game I watched my best friend play. More great memory. Boy, another... your best friend was not very generous with the controller. Yeah, like, the share, share that, man. you got to alternate between stars in yeah. Mario 64. That's it's how you do it. Or do. jiggies. That's how me and my sister played. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So rather, I remember this game so often, I just had to write to you in advance. Uh, one day while hanging out with my best friend, his cousin, coincidentally called Mario, came over one day with a red cartridge, excitedly proclaiming he had a new game to show us. I don't know how, I don't know if he stuttered or if we were just assholes, but we called his eye-catching game though he was so proud of showing us as Rocket Robot on Wii uh, Wheels. Yep. So many times that so many times that he got extremely aggravated, possibly to the point of tears, but I can't quite remember. That means you made him cry and you feel bad about it and you're trying to distance yourself. <laughs> we see you, Jacob. Uh, I don't recall much else about the game other than it's a physics-based platformer. I was very unimpressed, and it reminded me way too much of Glover. Oh, no. Never good. <laughs> Needless to say, I got much more entertainment out of calling it Rocket Robot and Wee Wee Wheels than I did watching him playing that new game, and I can't say enough was encased in cool red plastic. It's true, it is. And I still can't override my instinct to add Wee Wee to the title. I feel kind of bad, but I'm always kind of amused. Anywho, thanks for such a great podcast. So far, it's the only one I'm consistently tuning into each week. That's great. Thank you so much for telling us that. And now, when we get to that game, I am probably going to think of it as Wee Wee. Yeah. Um, stay, that game also had a re-release. on the. It was a Did Wee Wee-lease on the Wii. A Wee A Wee Wee-lease. A Wocket Wobile Wee Wee Wheels for Wii. That's not true. It didn't. But um, you're you are making somebody's cousin cry. <laughs> you're bringing back some traumatic memories. It's, it's, it's like the scene talking. in Life of Brian. Free free wheel. Very well. We shall free the robot on wheels. We wheels. All right. Here's our last letter. This one comes so, from Evan Wilson. Those those colored cartridges really yeah. stick yes. in people's minds. That's as true. There, there I, aren't I, any. I definitely remember oh. the yellow Tony Hawk cart yes, and yellow, yellow Donkey Kong yeah. cart. I couldn't remember. I think there's another red cart, but I couldn't remember what it was. Oh, God. One of the baseball games. Well, oh, All-Star yeah. Baseball. All-Star yeah. Baseball 2001. And I think there's only one... There's there's one game that has, like, a very unique uh, cartridge, and it's uh, Pokemon Stadium 2. It has half gold, half silver cartridge. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and that's the only one of that color. Well, but I think otherwise. And then there were like, the holographic Zelda. There were the holographic but... Zeldas, yeah, and they were yeah they were gold, yeah. I noticed your Killer Instinct gold wasn't gold. It was not gold, no, no. And that's was your what I'm used gold? to seeing. I don't really? think that exists, really. Oh, I don't know. I have now to check I on feel that. like okay, look this up, Dion. I want to <laughs> find a copy now with the soundtrack. I, album. I don't believe that it's a gold cartridge. I'm I'm curious to find because it would make sense if the game's called gold. That it should have a shiny gold cartridge. Um, I'll, I'll read Evan's letter while you're looking that up. Uh, so this is from Evan Wilson. It says, Hey guys, I'm in Australia and I'm loving the podcast. I searched N64 podcast because it was the first console that my mom got me for my 14th birthday. I love mom. I, love yes. mom. I wish I could do that. I'm glad that we came up when someone searched N64 podcast. That's, That's really the dream. That means that we've made it. Literally that my is, only goal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it has a special place in my heart and I'm still playing it to this day. I was just wondering if you've done the ultra HDMI mod and if so, is it worth it? Thank you so much for the podcast and helping me relive so many great memories. Keep up the good work. I, uh, I mean, we, we talked about this briefly a couple episodes ago, but we really don't mod it very much at all. I've got like an HDMI converter Upscaler to just make. to play it on my, uh, uh, on my TV upstairs, but, uh, it doesn't really improve things too terribly much. Just fix the aspect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I haven't messed with modding, and I think Woody brought up the good reason, because, like, we, we kind of want to play it, like, as it was, you know, so we're not uh, getting false memories on of it. No Killer Instinct Gold? Well, I'm getting, like, I don't know, the it's, like, it's I'm getting old Killer Instinct stuff, and then, like, pictures of people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, like, really confuse my, who knows, maybe my... Is there, like, a guy named Killer Instinct? Right, maybe. I don't know, but yeah. maybe my cousin also fucking spray-painted the game. <laughs> that would not I surprise wouldn't, me. I wouldn't put it past that him. That sounds so. like a cousin thing to do. Like, <laughs> I'm not cousin. really close with my cousins. I've only met them a couple of times, but everybody's story about their cousins is always that they're, like, they're these crazy, deprived rednecks with access to <laughs> spray paint. Like, so... Um, so I'm guessing that, um, you know, base, this mod is somehow going in and changing your um, N64 to be able to output HDMI. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a weird sort of world that people live in of the constant search for better output ratios and things like that. And there's a weird thing of, like, people surgering together Super Nintendos of different models to try and get certain kinds of output. And then you buy, like, a $300, you know, frame scaler to be yeah. able to not miss any frames on your um, when you play HD on your uh, new TV with old consoles. And basically what happens is these things become a game in of themselves right. to try and get the most perfect picture that you can and try and have it run smoothly on your fancy new TV. Um, and I, I, I I've fallen I into these. I for it. I don't know that I would notice. I think too much. you would notice um, yeah. if you saw them side by side. Okay. Um, and I'm saying, I guess my response to this is, if you're into that and that's something that matters to you, then by all means pursue it. Yeah, um, tell, but tell don't, us how yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm don't curious. get bogged down know. in the constant search for better graphical output. Yes, part of the um, appeal of these games is that they look antiquated. And yeah, they, they are like <laughs> we can look at these games and think like, oh shit, look how far we've come. Exactly, and yeah. the best you know the best games on this system like. You know, you can play Super Mario 64 on the Virtual Console or on your Wii or something. Yeah. It's been re-released, and if, if that's really what matters to you is playing something in HDMI. But at least to us, yeah. that's not, like, the difference maker oh, is no, no, no. the, the cl- visual clarity of these. Um, so, yeah, please, yeah. if you fo- follow through, tell us about how to get best visual I, output. We I are really curious. Yeah, I really do want to know. But we we, we I, don't I mess know. with that stuff ourselves. I did look it up. It's like $300 to mod out your N64. I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe I'll get bored one of these days. You know. always do. I always do. I always do. <laughs> That's why I have a podcast. Anyway, let's wrap up that podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. You can get in touch with us at ultra64podcast at gmail.com. Same handle on Twitter. Look at our channel on YouTube. See some video content on there. Uh, go to our website. It's all the same. It's all ultra64podcast.com. And you can see all the rankings and everything like that. Uh, and uh, thank you so much to our special guest, Dion. Thank you for being here, man. Of course. Thank uh, you for having me. Where where can people find you other than Googling Bellingham? <laughs> yeah, for some weird reason, if you Google Bellingham, then I pop up. <laughs> you He's can... the face of our city. They're going to give you a key pretty soon. That would that'd be great, actually. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm leaving Bellingham for Seattle. So oh, I don't know. I'll rent it out. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but yeah, you can easily find me uh, if you search for me by Agent Fate on almost anything. That's Agent F A Y T E. Uh, that's my PS4 handle and my screen name for almost anything gaming. Well, you're gonna get all kinds of friend requests now. There you go. That's 
Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Woody, for coming in when you're not feeling very well. We appreciate it. I know. Yeah. Uh, next week, we are playing uh, another weirdly lumped together <laughs> here because we couldn't find a better place to put it. We are uh, going back to Bomberman. We've only played Bomberman a couple weeks ago, but we're going back to play Bomberman Hero, uh, finish out that series. And then we're also pairing it with another explosion-themed platforming game called Charlie Blast's Territory. And I've already been digging into the history of that, and it's crazy weird. <laughs> so tune in for that one. Uh, we will be around next week, and then, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Combo Breaker. Yeah, we're going to take you out with some Righteous Brothers. You've lost that killer instinct. Oh, that killer instinct. Now it's gone, gone, gone. And I can't go I'm going to keep letting this go. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> Can you play the one so we can start, like, uh, uh, manipulating some play together? Uh, no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.